Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to Episode 3 of Always Andy's Mom. Again, I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. In today's episode, I talk with Stephanie Hogan, Kean's mom. Kean was a 12-year-old quadruplet with a complicated medical history from birth. We speak of the decisions they had to make near the end of her life and the good and the bad moments during that time. We also discuss Stephanie's journey of healing over these past two years. She talks about finding purpose in life again, as well as changing and even growing in different ways. As always, for more information, please visit my website, andysmom.com, and subscribe for updates. Feel free to email me at marcy at andysmom.com. I would also invite you to take a moment to send an episode link to one person whom you think would benefit from listening. The more people we reach, the more we can spread our message of hope and healing. Thank you and enjoy. Well, welcome to the show today, Stephanie. I really appreciate you agreeing to come on. Thank you so much. I'm super happy to be here. Well, I'm glad. <laughs> I just want to start out um, by talking about your daughter, Kian, and just letting our audience get to know her and get to know your family. Sure, that sounds great. Go ahead. Just All right. tell us about it. <laughs> well, uh, my husband, Paul, and I have five kids. Uh, we had Jamal. He's our oldest. He's 17 currently. And then we kind of hit the jackpot and had quadruplet daughters uh, three years after Jamal. So not um, what we intended for our family, but we are thrilled that that's what we ended up with. <laughs> um, Kian is one of the um, quadruplets. They are, well, the other girls are um, 14 right now. And Kian sort of got the short end of all the sticks. They were born at 27 weeks into my pregnancy and um, were between one and a half and two and a half pounds, 10 inches, all, all four of them were. But Kian was only one pound, five ounces. Um, and she was more like a 25-weeker um, with, she just had some stuff that was happening in utero. And so... That's, and there are big differences. There is huge differences. Weeks and 27 weeks. Huge, huge differences. It was crazy to see the difference. Um, and so, yeah, she sort of ended up with um, lots of medical complications. Mm-hmm. Um, she was visually impaired. She's like severely visually impaired. She um, had cerebral palsy, but she was able to walk short distances. So that was, you know, we were really blessed with that. She... Um, had a trach that helped her breathe and while that was only supposed to be temporary she ended up um, needing that for her whole life um what else so she was yeah she was in the NICU for um like six months and then came home for one day and went back and she spent the majority of the first five years of her life um more in the hospital than she did at home uh, her, I could just like, she had seizures. I mean, I could just go on and on. She had yeah. all sorts of medical complications that I honestly, before I had the girls never knew that people dealt with, Right. you know, I just, right. I just had no idea that you could, uh, run an ICU unit in your home. And that's basically essentially what we did. Um, if we wanted to have her home, that's what we did. So right. she was, um, fed, uh, she never really ate normally. She was fed. It was a progression but eventually uh you know had a feeding tube and then a um, feeding tube into her intestines and then um a she ended up being on tpn which is um parenteral IV nutrition, nutrition. Yep, yep right IV, IV nutrition. nutrition yeah so yeah she was had all sorts of complications but uh she was like our little son that we all revol- revolved right. around <laughs> and that's really what i want to focus on i want to focus on really not maybe who she was medically right but who she was as a person yep, yep. and a part of your family yeah she was just 
we did. We all sort of revolved around her, um, partly because we had to medically, but mostly because she just drew people in right. like that. She um, she never knew that she really had anything wrong with her. Uh, you know, in her mind, she carried around a backpack with all of her equipment in it and you didn't, she, um, had a trach and you didn't, she didn't eat, but you did. And it didn't, didn't phase her at all. Right. It was, um, literally she had no idea that she was any different than anybody else. Um, she's, and that's so how you want her to be. It is. Right? Totally. Totally. We, um, we just never focused on this is what's wrong with you or mm-hmm. this is what you can't do. It was all about let's make this happen. And so even though it looked differently, um, we were able to give her a really, really full life. And it was, it was awesome. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. She, um, she always had a smile on her face. She had a lot of reasons. She was in a lot of pain a lot of her life and had a lot of reasons to really be sort of grumpy and frustrated with life, but she never, ever was. Um, if she were crabby at all, I would say, you know, Kian, do you have your pinchers out like a crab? And I would kind of take her little hand and form it into a like crab claw and she would look and be all surprised and like oh my goodness what's happening and so she'd laugh so she was it was so rare for her to be in a bad mood yeah. um she's always smiling always joyful it was awesome yeah tell me about her relationship with her sisters yeah she was super close with her sisters they um quadruplets have this you know you hear about twin bond or multiple birth bond but i'm telling you what until you live it it is phenomenal to see and she played such a part in that. Um, they sort of mothered her always, but yet she was their equal. She, yeah. They they didn't really look at her any different either. Um, they, you know, they just came right alongside her and she alongside them. And so she was super special to all of us and to her sisters. She um, played sort of the role of, um, you know, it was always somebody they could kind of take care of, but also she always made them laugh and Mm -hmm. she had a lot of little quirky personality things. Um, she had this crazy rainbow hat that she always wore and, and mittens and everybody knew that she had to put the hat on first and then the mittens. And if you tried to do the other way. And so the kids, um, her sisters and even her big brother, they just sort of, you know, this is the way she is and this is the way our family rolls sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they all fought over who would push the wheelchair. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, one of us was always pushing the wheelchair and everybody else was sort of gathered around and then we would kind of move in this pact, right? And Or this pack, sorry. And, and without her, that's been really odd because our older kids don't really know how to move through like a crowded area because it was always one of us pushing the wheelchair and the rest of us sort of surrounding you and going all in one big clump. And it's been really interesting. I didn't ever realize that that is really how it was until we didn't have that wheelchair to push around. Um, But we all sort of just functioned with this is who we are as team Hogan is what we call ourselves. And we, yeah, it, it, the relationships are, pretty special actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I think too, when I've heard so much about Kian, you talk about how her sisters wanted to take care of her and people wanted to take care of her, but I really feel like she wanted to take care of other people Oh, absolutely. too, because she just, I mean, she just wanted happiness yeah. to be spread. Yes, she did. There, there were times, Marcy, that she would say things and she was um, a little bit cognitively impaired and she would say things that were so wise beyond any of our years mm-hmm. that it actually would like, like it gives me goosebumps actually right now thinking about it and that's what would happen in the moment because I would know I would just be like wow this is incredible but also like oh this might not mean something good like <laughs> can you just think of so an example wise. um yeah I can actually so we had all these kids and um you know Paul and I were were so busy and and cr- we were sleep deprived And it's really hard to stay focused on your marriage when you've got five kids under the age of three or four or whatever, um, because Jamal was three when the girls were born. And um, Paul and I were sort of struggling, you know, trying to find time to connect and try to, there was no such thing as date night. Um, There wasn't a ton of people volunteering to come watch, you know, five, six-year-old, you know, four, six-year-olds and a nine-year-old or whatever. Anyways, um, and so we were sort of struggling and wondering, like, 
we, there's no time for each other. We're sort of like strangers in passing. And what, all out of the blue one day, we were getting out of the car, and she said, she said, um, Mom, Mommy, she said, you and Daddy need to snuggle more. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was like, okay. And at, it, like, at first, we just sort of laughed. Oh, Keenan, that's so funny. But it was so, I mean, there was so much truth to what she was saying. And right. she had no idea. I mean, she had no idea that we were like not being able to find time for each other, you know. But literally out of the blue, Mommy and Dad, you know, you, you and Daddy need to snuggle more. You need to snuggle more with Daddy. And I thought, I, I was able to take it as like, it has to be a priority, Stephanie, for you. Even even Kian can somehow in this in her spirit say, you need to find time for dad. And yeah. um, because the kids, it's so easy for the kids to take up all your time. But um, and I think, can I give you one other example? Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, her last day of school. You've probably heard me say this one, or I've probably told you this one before. But her last day of school, um, she had tried to go, and she was uh, it was. Well, a month before she passed away, actually. Um, but she had tried to go all morning, and she was in so much pain, and she was gagging and retching, and we couldn't get her to go. And finally, her body settled down long enough, and she said, I want to try to go to school. So we pack her up, and we get her to school. And um, literally, I was not even off campus before I got the phone call from her nurse saying she was um, gagging again, and I needed to come back. So I came back and we got her situated and I said, Kiana, you know, do you want to just go home? And she, she kind of shook her head. So we packed her up and all of her friends are like, bye, Kian, have a good summer. As it was the last day of school for everybody. Have a good summer. We'll see you next year. And in my gut, I knew the reality was she would probably not make it back to school the following year. Um, but she didn't know that. And so we were, I know, I, I remember her in behind me she was in her car seat she had a like special needs really cool car seat and um I was driving and I looked at her in the rearview mirror and I just said Kian I am so sorry that you couldn't stay at school and I mean I was fighting back tears I didn't want her to be upset so I was trying not to cry and she just said it's okay mommy at least we tried And again, it was like such amazing perspective. And that's how she lived her life. Right. And I had to be like, you're right. Like, sorry, it's emotional. But like, you're right, Kian. We tried. And we did. You did everything you could. And we did everything we could. And that was enough. Right. And so that was one of her huge messages in her life was um, whatever you're doing, it's enough. And you don't have to be necessarily like reading at grade level or be this super athlete or you know like who you are is enough and that's what she taught us all and it was it was amazing that's an amazing amazing lesson yeah Yeah. it was it is we still use it you know still I can still hear her saying it's okay mommy at least we tried because I had felt like such a failure and it was it was her body it was her it wasn't anything that I had done but I felt like we couldn't even give her her last day of school yeah and um it didn't phase but her it wasn't all. it wasn't nope. a failure in her mind oh not at all, all. she it was an accomplishment we yeah. tried yeah we tried we made it yep. we got to say goodbye to all my friends exactly we got to do that and i'm exactly. sure in her mind it was a success it was it was so yeah, yeah that was it was huge for us so um obviously the listeners have heard the story of my son's death my son andy's death and it was very sudden and unexpected right yours was entirely <laughs> different yeah tell us about that well, we knew there was some hope at the beginning of Kian's life that she would just need to grow. Um, but I think really as parents in our gut, we knew all along that wasn't going to be the case. She had a brain bleed and she had some other things. And the longer we went, we just nothing was fixing itself. It was just getting more and more complicated. Um, and so about um, probably at when she was about eight, we finally, after years of searching and you know, going to different states for medical care and so on and so forth. Um, we finally learned that she had um, neuropathic dysmotility of the GI system, which essentially is a lot of big words to mean that her entire GI tract did not work. Mm-hmm. So she didn't absorb stuff. Um, it didn't move through right. Um, just everything. And we knew at that point that barring a miracle, she wouldn't be with us as long as we would like her to be. Right. We also knew, though, that every person with this disease, and, and, and Kian had so many other unique things going on, that she was going to chart her own course. And so we had no idea really how long um, we would have her. And so we decided, 
I mean, I can remember coming back from that appointment. We were down at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. We came back and we had a Kansas nurse here and we took the rest of our kids um, over to Starbucks and we said, this is what we know. We know that she probably won't be here um, as long as we'd like her to be, but that's not what we're going to focus on. We're going to focus on giving her the best day she can have every day. And as a husband and wife couple, Paul and I decided at that point that we would do everything we could to focus on the quality of her days and not the quantity of them. Right. And our desire was to never be selfish um, with how many days she had. And so we did just that. I mean, we lived our life and we had some amazing, incredible people that walked alongside of us or to give us some super opportunities and just um, we took her to school. We, you know, for like in the beginning of her life, we kind of had to protect her from germs and such. And we just decided that was not how we were going to live. She was going to experience life. And have friends. And and, have friends and um, be as with, she loved being with her sisters. And so that too was like whenever we were in the hospital, it was really, she hated it because they couldn't come visit because she was in isolation and it's just a big thing. So, so yeah, we knew all these years that she, um, would probably not be with us. And so, and being in pediatrics, you know, yep. I've, I've taken care of kids that had to be on that TPN and right. have all their nutrition IV. And just for the listeners who don't know that at some point in time, this just becomes toxic to Correct. your system and you cannot live without having actual food, <laughs> right. really, and right. nutrition that way. Right. And IV nutrition just does not last forever. No, it does and not. And the, you know, the kids that I had taken care of had been... You know, I have one that I remember in particular that ended up being able to get a small bowel yeah. full, full transplant. Yep. But and some people are candidates to be able to do something right. like that, and others are not. Right. So Kian was just not. to yep. just to kind of uh, have that as a little bit of an exactly. explanation to for people that don't understand yep. that. That's and that's kind of what Marcy. Was that's exactly what happened. She um, it gave when we we waited for as long as we could. To mm-hmm. put her on TPN, and then when we finally did, um, it really gave her some really good years. Right. Um, even though it causes, it has a lot of complications, but it really did give her the ability to go back to school and be part of our family and be part of society and all that. And then and eventually, just wear the backpack, right? And wear the, the backpack. The foods in the backpack, <laughs> and nobody knows that that's what's in nope. your backpack. Exactly. But that's what's and there. she, you know, she had lots of tubes that were going everywhere, but they mostly were in the backpack. And you just, she managed them. She just, we did, and. Um, you know, and then you're exactly right. What ends up happening is the same nutrition that gave her great days starts to hurt her, right. essentially. And so we were down at an appointment and um, they really said to us, kind of, you, you know, you're doing too good of a job. We just couldn't get the pain under control. And um, it was sort of this moment where Paul and I said, we have to start making decisions using like palliative measures and um, just really thinking of her and, and not, keeping her comfortable, right? And yes. keeping her comfortable. Yep. And so we worked. We worked with a great team of palliative doctors. Who then we ended up switching um, over to hospice. Um, but those were we, we we were able to keep the same doctors. Um, and if it's funny because we knew all of our life that, that this day would come. Um, and yet when it didn't year after year and she was still with us, it sort of tricks your brain a little bit into thinking, oh, maybe they were wrong, you know, yeah. or maybe she's going to like beat everybody, every, every yeah. odd, you know, she'd beat odds every day, but she's going to be the ultimate odds. Right. And so she, her last probably year and a half of her life, she really struggled with a lot of pain, um, organ failure, which is what happened to Kian. Um, her GI tract went into organ failure and at least for her, it was very, very painful. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that was just really hard to control. And so in the end, you know, we had to make some decisions. Um, we had to just honor her body, you know, mm-hmm. and like when, when the nutrition you're giving her is hurting her, um, it's, it's like this mind warp a little bit, um, especially when you're just this lay person who doesn't really understand that. Um, but you could see it and we could watch yeah. it happening. Her body was changing and really fighting it. And so, yeah. And so for the last, we had this great, um, last two weeks of her life. Um, we knew that the end was nearing. We had switched to hospice. We had, you know, um, really hospice had come in and said, um, we're going to make her 
really comfortable, but she's going to be kind of out of it. And uh, we never were able to really accomplish that, which was hard for us. Yes. We, um, it, it felt like she had moments near the end that she was suffering. And that is a little haunting. Um, the beauty though of that same thing is that we had moments where, um, we got to sing happy birthday to her, even though it wasn't her birthday. We were, we had ice cream and we, my, my dad happened to say, um, you know, we didn't, we didn't catch Kian's half birthday. Let's sing happy birthday to her. And we have it on film and she is clapping and smiling and laughing. And, you know, literally for a lack of a better word on her deathbed, we were, we didn't know from moment to moment what was happening. And then we had these breakthrough times with her that, um, so while we didn't get rid of the suffering, we also had moments that were really, really good in those last two weeks. And, um, so we're, we're thankful. I mean, all of us, all six of us can now say that, um, we're thankful for those two weeks. They were beautiful and heart wrenching and gut aching and all of that. But, you know, we sort of tucked ourselves into home and people came to us. Our home was always busy, um, but yet quiet and, you know, for what Kian needed, but it was, it was awesome. And I don't know, I'm, I'm really, I'm really thankful. And it, it is, it's so different than, than your experience. And yet this part of our journeys are similar. That's what's so, oh, absolutely. that's what's mm-hmm. so um, unique about this grief journey, I think. Well, and and too, I know I've spoken with a therapist who said that sometimes grief is more complicated when either it's very sudden or when it's the other end, when you watch someone go yeah. through so much yep. suffering and have it be so drawn out. Yes. So because I had said to her, I don't know why I feel so drawn to Stephanie right. and, and we have another friend, Megan, who had right. a very similar kind of experience. And, and she said it makes perfect sense yep. because it's not, it's just more complex. Right. I think that is it. It's the complexity of it that kind of draws us to each other. Right. right. Like, and yeah, I know sure. I listened to your story and I thought, oh, I don't know how they ever did that. <laughs> right. I could never have done that. That's you know, terrible. And I just, my heart broke for you. Yep. And yet I remember you coming up and hugging me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thinking, I think the same thing. Oh my gosh. Yes. I'll never forget meeting you for the first time and thinking, I'm, I'm, oh, I don't know how I could, I don't know how I would have done that. It's the same thing. And yet we were able to, you find that we have so much in common through it. Yeah. Um, what, no matter how it looks, right. How it happened, outside, how it, yeah. how it looks on the outside, our hearts are both broken and trying to find some healing and um yeah I don't know it's a it's a unique journey that's for sure yeah absolutely yeah so let's talk a little bit about that about Mm -hmm. this journey back (laughs) I kind of call it this Mm -hmm. journey where we start to healing start healing and start trying to get some semblance of hope yeah again Tell me what your journey has been like, because mm, it's been, you're further along than I am. Yeah, yeah. We just, um, so Kian died in July, uh, the beginning of July of 2017. So we just had the two year anniversary of her death this last summer. Um, and so I'm at the beginning of year three, which is mind blowing to me. Um, but, you know, my, so we, we, were in therapy actually before Kian even passed away. Um, I was personally, and my husband and I went together, um, and actually our whole family did, to try to prepare, quote-unquote, for Kian's death, which I now kind of laugh at. But um, it was good. It was good that we were there. It was what I laugh at is the fact that you think you can prepare yourself because the reality is your brain, like I think physiologically, does not let you. If you really understood the impact of losing a child – you wouldn't continue to live. I, I just don't think it's right, possible. Right. Um, so we were all in therapy before, and which was incredible because like our therapist actually came to the house the night Kim passed away, um, and she has walked the journey with us and continues to do so. Um, so we, that was one piece of our healing. A big part for me was I went to a retreat for moms who had children die from chronic illnesses or complex illnesses. So a very Mm -hmm. specific group of people. 
And I went, Kian died in July and I went that very November. And I thought it is too early for me to do this, but I had had a friend that had gone. She really was encouraging. Um, and I did. And that, um, really woke my soul up sort of to the fact that healing was possible. Um, there, uh, we had a speaker, uh, he's also an author, Tom Zuba. He wrote a two books, but the, for his first one, permission to mourn. And it has been one, you know, one of the key essential books that I've used in healing, um, or starting to heal. I don't, it's not healing. Yeah, it's healing is not it's, a destination, it's, right? right? It's a journey. It, it, so it's hard to say. I'm like, I am, we are healing. We are not healed. No. And and the other thing that I've talked about before is that you're never going to be who you were before. Absolutely. It, so it changes you. It changes you. At a lot of levels. Yeah. Um, but Tom um, and his book and that retreat, um, Jessica Lindbergh is the person who put the tr- retreat on. And I'll never forget watching a video, Jessica. She'd also uh, had a son die of um, chronic illness. And she said, you know, this is why you should come to the retreat. Now, hold your hold on. You might want to throw your phones when you hear this. But um, I encourage you to come because I promise you at some point you can be a better version of yourself than you were even when your kid was with you. And I remember, Marcy, I literally did want to throw the phone because at that point I thought I there is no way I'm going to be better without Kian. There's no way. I've heard that, but I'm telling said you by what many people and I have been the same way. So angry, so upset yes. that anyone would have the like audacity right. to say that anything could be better. Exactly. That is exactly how I felt. And at the same time, and I, again, I'm sorry, I get a little emotional about it. I remember thinking, hold on. If this woman who I had never met, but whose son has died can say that maybe just maybe I'm going to be able to make it. Right. I'm going to do okay. And I signed up for that retreat because of that video. And I went and I met some incredible parents who were walking the same shoes that I was. Um, but I can tell you one of the things I learned at the retreat, um, we did a strength finders test. I don't know. You probably have done that or your listeners might have done that. They use it in big companies a lot. Um, it really just finds your strengths and like nothing about your weaknesses or anything, <laughs> right? So the whole the whole weekend had been so emotional. I mean, we had all cried. We had had some wine. I mean, you know, it was just it was so, it was crazy weekend. And we, I was looking forward to this strength finders, you know, session because I thought there will be no emotions attached to that. It's facts. Right. I had taken the test. I had, I'm going to get the results back and we're going to look at it. And what I learned during that session was um, I saw these strengths in front of me on paper that I had, that had come back on the test. And all I could think was, like, these very strengths are what made me the perfect mom for Kian. And she's not here anymore. And all I could think was, like, I'm only, at the time, what, 40, 41? What, I, what if that was the pinnacle of my life? And if it was, I, I mean, I loved her. I would have, that, that's, that's, yeah. that's awesome. And I was, I know that I was made to be her mom and be this like advocate and take, like learn all these crazy medical things. But I thought, what now? And I, I fell apart at that session. I thought it's done. I'm done. Like I, the very things that made, made me who I am. Like I don't, I don't have her to do that with anymore. And the lady that was running it, I mean, I just, I asked, I stood up and I was like, I don't know what to do because my purpose isn't here anymore. Right. And, um, she said, I promise if you keep saying yes and you keep working on your healing, that whatever you find, you will find key and smack dab in the middle of it. And I have held on to that promise and I'm not there yet, Marcy. <laughs> um, but I'm holding on to that, that the, I'm not. I'm the same person. I'm a changed person, but I have the same strengths. And what made me a great caregiver and a great advocate and a great mom to Kian is going to be, is still what makes me be the great, whatever I end up doing now, you know? And I think that's a different piece, a little bit of a different piece is that we had that, I had that caregiving aspect of Kian that was my entire life and my existence. And then all of a sudden I didn't have that. Um, 
And so I'm still looking for what that is, um, how to find her smack dab in the middle of it. But I hold on to that hope because I believe it is true. Absolutely. That she is still with me, that she is still part of our family and that she, um, is still exuded through all of us. I hope at least. <laughs> yeah. I, I completely understand. I feel, I certainly felt that lack of purpose yeah. too. Yeah. And it is really hard oh, when it's... everything that you define yourself yep. by is not there anymore. Absolutely. And that's, that's what's happened with me in my right. practice and doing pediatrics and feeling right. unable to do that for now a year. I'm hoping still to get back to right. that. Right. Exactly. Right. Uh, but it's it's that purpose being gone. Yep. I mean, that's what I'm hoping that this podcast can right. help give a little bit of that back. And Absolutely. I'm feeling some purpose yeah. in this. And, you know, and, and it is something that really made me want to have you on very, very early in this <laughs> whole process because I, I your strength is amazing to oh, me. Oh, Marcy, thank and you. And has been it's been an inspiration really for me. I, I appreciate that. What were your strengths that you, that, <laughs> no, I I'm think curious. It was, you know, organization and, um, I can't like some of the, um, the advocating piece was a big one. Um, like kind of standing up for yourself, that, that leadership type person, knowledge, I'm a knowledge seeker. And that fit really good into a, having a child that had a rare medical disease, you know, right. I was always seeking information. Um, and advocating with insurance companies and hospitals and doctors and such for her. So, um, but you know, I too, like, um, I, t I spent the first year of my journey. I, I always, I mean, I would say to people, people right away. So Kian died in July and that fall people were asking me like, Hey, we have, um, positions at the school open. You should come work for us or you should go. To people were really anxious for me to all of a sudden go to work. Mm -hmm. I'd been a stay at home mom taking care of Kian and all these other children. Right. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I'm not doing anything like that. I'm barely functioning. Yeah. Um, and I spent that first year, I said my job was mourning, grieving and mourning. I spent the first year doing just that. Um, spent a lot Feel of guilty, time though. Doing you it do. Absolutely. Bit. I spent, but I spent a lot of time sitting in her room, holding her things, crying, doing grief work, um, etc. And it is hard work. And it is such hard work. <laughs> so it's draining. It yeah. is draining. Um, and then obviously taking care of my other kids. And the second year I kind of said, okay, um, I am going to put some energies. I'm going to keep doing that, but I'm going to really relish the fact that I now have the ability to be at all the sporting events, be at all the things that we couldn't do when Kian was physically here with us. Um, and that was hard. That is super complex because you feel guilty. You feel sad. You just want to be home taking care of her. But I really focused on kind of that, that year being like, no, I'm going to pour into them. They sort of took second fiddle a lot um, when Kian was physically here in some ways. And so that was my kind of goal. And then, you know, when Kian was with us, my brain was um, pushed and stretched all the time. I loved being at the medical facilities and being with, you know, really great doctors and nurses who would challenge me to think differently. And um, but then well, and it was your job. It was my job. Yeah. It was my job. And I didn't have that anymore. My, and I finally at, at about the two year mark thought I need something for el something else for my brain to spin on. Um, I, I didn't want it to just be spinning on grief. And I purposely said, I'm going to try to find something else. And so I have, I've gone back to work extremely part-time um, teaching, but it has been a real um, healing effort as well that has given my brain something totally different to work on and and kind of chew over planning and, and all that. It, and it sort of fills that space a little bit of, just sitting here missing Kian, even though I miss her the same amount, it gives my brain a break and it's been really good. And so, you know, the beginning of year three, I don't know. I don't know how it will be different. I hope I, it's, it's different so than year two. <laughs> it's so different for everyone. I think, it is. Too. It's just so, it is. You can't really compare, nope. but yet there's you so many similarities to ways, too. Yeah. Right. Because it, it just to help normalize things. Mm -hmm. To have people feel like that I'm not way off base here, right. that 
you know, I'm a year out and still not back in. Absolutely. It wasn't. Because you do feel guilty. Oh, I feel you do. very guilty. I feel like I go to the grocery store and I think, oh, I don't want to see any of my patients yep. here because they're all going to look at me and think, why is Dr. Larson still not back seeing exactly. patients? It's been a year already. Right. right. Come on. Come back already. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, and, and I think society, that year mark is a sort of a mark for society to go okay what's the deal yeah like and it, I felt that a little bit at six months even yep yeah and then even more so at a year but actually though I, I do feel a lot better yeah now yeah. than I did yes. and and that had you asked me that a year ago <laughs> right I I didn't see there ever being a time when things right. were just going to feel a little bit better yep I know and I from a from an outside perspective I can in the the t- just the time that we've known each other, you um, smile more and you're lighter and brighter. And I, it's amazing to be able to see that from different people that you know who are walking the same journey and you know, okay, I must be able to, I'm, I'm hoping I'm looking the same way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, but, it, but I will be really honest. It was at the year and a half mark that I found myself on the bathroom floor thinking, how can I end this? Like, how can I, I do not want to feel this pain anymore. Um, so it doesn't go away. Yeah, there are still moments. Certainly. And I would have never thought though that would be me. And fortunately, I was in, I had a whole family outside the walls of that bathroom that I knew I could could rely on and go to. And I had you know a therapist, and I had parents who were supportive. And um, so you know, obviously that didn't. But I, I I would have never thought in all the words that I've done that I would have found myself on that bathroom floor. But I did at 18 months. Yeah. And so it's. Yeah, there are still just it's hard, waves. hard times. Yeah. Yes, and everything comes in waves. And it's not this nice, steady, gradual path to Like we want it to be. <laughs> yeah, you do. You want it to be like, I want to be able to say tomorrow will be better than yes. today. Yes. But you can't. No, You not can't say that. There's no instruction book. There's not even, you know, they have those stages of grief. I can't right now remember oh, right. who did that. but um, And you hear about all of them. But you think stages, well, they're not, it's not linear. It's a big mess. I know yeah. I, I, I often call it like I'm just sitting in the mess. I have to learn to sit with that mess because some days I'm doing good. Some days I'm angry. Some days I'm, you know, the, all, the, all those stages, they just come in waves instead of it's not a progressive well, thing that you, you can, can finish. And I feel like if you would read those stages, you could go be in like, Two or three of them on the same day. Absolutely. At the same moment. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's like, you know, it's not it's not at all linear. No, not at all. And so I hope that as the world hears your podcast or learns more about grief, um, they realize like it require grief requires so much grace from us as the griever and from the people who love us. So that's that's 100 percent true. <laughs> I totally agree. Grace all around. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what my husband really has done a better job focusing on than I did Mm -hmm. originally Mm -hmm. is just giving people grace and giving himself grace when he felt angry or guilty or whatever feeling he's feeling is to say, you know, it's okay. I have to forgive myself for that. Exactly. And that's, it's a lot of work. (laughs) Yeah. And I think too about the, um, you know, we had anniversaries. I just had the one-year anniversary, yep. and you shortly before that had two. And you anticipate those days, yeah. and you think about those days. But the ones that really throw you for the loop are the ones that you don't expect. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Those little things that suddenly pop up that you just came up out of the blue. Yep. Someone asking a question. I, I was thinking about, I struggle when people ask me how many kids I have. Oh, yes. When I'm with people I don't know, I'm... You know, the moment in my mid forties, and with other women my age, you always ask how many kids you have. Yep. And I have an impossible time yes. saying two. No. Yep. Or so I end up have going and telling people more than they wanted to yes. know, and then they feel really bad. Yes. So, and I've wondered about you. Yep. Do you have people then ask you if you have triplets? Oh yes. And what do you say? We actually just. Um, went through that with the back to school stuff. Um, it seems to come up every year at that time a lot. It comes up often, but it's really a hot topic when we go back to school, it seems. Um, so I personally, I always say I have five children. I don't care who 
Um, my, my husband kind of tailors his answers to who he's talking to. Right. Um, I always say five. And um, when, but if the kids are with us, it often comes up, you know, I'll say I have an oldest one and I have quadruplet daughters and then they only see three. And so it'll, people will often ask like, well, didn't you say quadruplets? Like, where is there a fourth one around or what's going on with that? And um, that is, whew, there's some days that I can handle that very well. And I just say, she, I usually say, there is a fourth one. She actually passed away two years ago, um, but she's still with us. And these girls are still quadruplets. Um, the girls themselves have had to practice, li- like literally practice saying our other sister passed away because it's such a hard thing to say when you're 12, 13, 14. Right. But they and- still feel really um really um adamant that they are quadruplets right and i i figured they would i thought i don't think there's any way they would let somebody just say they were triplets and just let that go it was actually one of the first things um, our daughter abigail said i think actually kian was able to die in our home and i think kian was actually her body was still with us when she said um i don't want to be a triplet i will never be a triplet and it was from that day forward, it was, you aren't a triplet, you are a quadruplet. Um, and she just got to go home to heaven before you did. And so, you know, that's the way we address it. Um, so we just did back to school night, meet the right. teachers, the girls are freshmen for the, you know, new building, new high school, et cetera. And they have a lot of the same teachers in different hours, but to ease back to school night, I said, let's meet the teachers as one group. And then you all can walk your schedules separately. Right. And so that came up almost every class period because they, we would say, this is, I'm Abby, I'm Sydney, I'm Mackenzie. And they would say like, are you all friends? No, we're actually quadruplets. And then before long, it'd be like, where's your fourth one? Right. And the girls, the first two teachers, they just sort of froze because we hadn't practiced in a while. (laughs) And so I stepped in and answered. And then in the the next one, I said, okay, girls, you're going to do the next one. Like we've practiced this. I know it's really hard, but we can do hard things. And one of you please answer when they ask. And so sure enough, the chemistry teacher says, oh, quadruplets, where's your fourth one? And Sydney very quickly just said, you know, our other sister actually passed away two years ago. And I think one of the hardest parts is then they are like mortified. Oh, I know. They like don't know what to say. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yes. And so I just said, it's okay. Like it's a normal question. Yeah. There, we're telling you there's four, there's only three. Of course you would ask. It's okay. And it gives us a chance to talk about her, which right. we enjoy. And he actually said, he was, after he fumbled around a little bit, um, he actually said, I think that's so cool that you still acknowledge her because God did bless you with a fourth sister and she is still with you. And then I had to make a quick exit because I was about to cry. <laughs> So we get mixed, we get mixed things, but they still see themselves as quadruplets. I still introduce them as quadruplets and we just deal with those awkward moments. And I I think it's, I think too, it's like you're teaching people that it's okay to talk about them. Um, Oh, and it's better. It's better. Even when they're 14, you know what I mean? Like, cause 14 year olds, it's hard. Like on our 17 year old, he is filling out college applications and they want to know how many siblings he has. Oh, my daughter's going through the same thing. She has no yes. idea what to do. And there's no, there, <laughs> she, she's looking at that, all this application and she has decided she hadn't put him down. She yep. just didn't put him down yep. because under parents, there is a little box you can check yes. for deceased. Yes. For siblings, there yes. is not. No box. I know. I know. So what has, what has Jamal, Jamal has done? Um, he has listed her every time. But when a lot of them, for some reason, then want to know what age and is. They want to know ages and education. And education. And so he leaves those blank for her. Um, he just leaves them totally blank. <laughs> Maybe that's what I should have Catherine do. Because she just has not known what to do. No. She said, well, my entire personal statement is going to end up being about right. him. Which exactly. is true. Yep, it is. But on the other hand, I feel like it's just not right yes. to not have... Right. His name listed right. with right. the others. And I know um, I try to give Jamal a lot of space or the girls a lot of space to deal with that however they need to deal with right. it. Right, right. 
And, um, and so he had done that very same thing. We were at a college visit. We were talking with a coach and the coach actually brought it up. So I see like you have what four siblings, but one doesn't have a, you know, age, like, do we need to go back and fix that? (laughs) And he sort of, it took him a minute, you know, um, and, but then he said, actually, you know, she, she passed away. And, And then I took a moment to say, yeah. And unfortunately there isn't that deceased box to check. Um, right. Because Which there really should, there should be. be. Absolutely. Yeah. Like one thing you learn as a parent of a child who has died is that there's a lot of us out there. There are. Even though it feels so lonely <laughs> most days. There's well, a lot of and, us out there. And I talked with Gwen about this on the last episode is that's not the natural order of things. You are supposed to die before your right. parents. Right. So when you are going to college, you are not supposed to have Correct. siblings who have died. Yep. And but they really need to fix that. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. So that's how Jamal has done all, it. I mean, Catherine is so like upset about this right. and not yep. knowing what to do. She's yes. brought it up to me in conversation like three times. Yes. She doesn't Jamal have too. it. She doesn't have the application complete and yep. she just doesn't know what to do. How to do it. I know. We ke- it keeps coming up, whether it's on the recruiting forms or the college applications or in the interviews that we're doing with these coaches, it keeps coming up. And so, like I said, I try to give him a lot of room. If I I have told him Jamal, if it's easier for you to say that you just have four, uh, three other siblings, that's okay. Um, right. You need to do what you need to do and how it works for you. For him, he says, you know, now she needs to be here some way, yeah, <laughs> some way, shape, or form, you know. And so that's how we've handled it. But it's it's those things that that comes up. How many kids do you have? How many siblings do you have? Um, I'll never forget falling apart at a doctor's appointment totally unrelated to anything about my kids and all of a sudden them asking me how many kids do you have how many pregnancies have you had like all you know yeah, those kind of right. questions just medical history stuff and I could just completely losing it because I didn't know how to even answer you know how many right. live births have you had how many living children do you have it's just it's just crazy it's one of those things that you have to deal with I guess well, you just don't know. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> I mean, I had my best friend walk into her pediatrician to take her son to an appointment, and and her son and Andy were very good friends. And she, uh, they said, have there been any stressors in the in the family recently? Yep. And she, you know, started crying yes. and said, "Well, actually, you know." And yeah. and then he felt terrible. He he actually knows me quite well because oh. we're both pediatricians in Grand right. Rapids, and so he felt horrible like right. I shouldn't have even said that but right. it's a perfectly natural question exactly. to ask it was a teenage well visit you yes. do want to know if there are stressors at home exactly and that that is a really stressful thing and it was important yep. to actually bring up it is. even though everyone's now either in tears or right. close to tears right. at that moment it still was something that it should is. have been brought up and I, I will tell you Marcy I've had some health stuff since Kian died and I always make sure the physician that I'm dealing with knows that I had a child that passed away because I believe there is a physical response that our body has to grief as well. And same thing for our kids. I mean, you know, we've, we've had a lot of like weird health things and I just make sure they know, like we might not really understand why this is happening, except it might just be that grief is involved. Right. (laughs) I've talked to my daughter about that too, when she was, you know, different things, just emotionally happening to her. And I, always have to remind her you understand though that grief has a lot to do with it exactly. because she doesn't want no you don't want to blame it on that you want to have there be another reason right, right. um but it is such right. a huge part of everything you just can't get around it no you cannot you cannot and i think um it's sort of our job to educate people on that too you know i people don't understand that they don't understand that it like you said earlier it changes you to your core and whether that's emotionally or how you're logically thinking or uh, physiologically, I think it has manifestations in all areas, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. But it I does, know. I don't know, it's, it's what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. And things, you know, do get better. And, right. they do. And, and I know, you know, you and I, we are not very far along the journey really when you think about it we've got a lot more years to go and that can be scary oh that can be overwhelming oh my goodness but it's it is what it is right like you said yep I remember feeling that at the beginning thinking how am I going to do this for the rest of my life and I can say that I have I can laugh now I can smile I have some hope of things 
being okay. Um, and yet I have some really hard days too. Um, so the journey continues and I'm thankful for where I'm at in it. Thankful for what I've learned and just hope that I can remain progressing through the journey. Well, and, and I guess I think this can be probably a good way to tie things up mm-hmm. is just thinking back to what Kian said that mm-hmm. day. You know, it's so true. At least we at tried. At least we tried. That's and right. that's what we have to do every day is yep. we just have to try. And if you have days that are cruddy, mm-hmm. you can say, well, at least I tried. Right. That's huge, Marcy. You're so, you're so, 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 so right. All the listeners <laughs> remember Kian. Yeah. And remember just trying yes. every day. I love that. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> bye bye. Thanks for listening to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy at andysmom.com. Be sure to visit the webpage, andysmom.com, for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope, one day at a time.